0: Whoa!
1: As I look at the world today, and I look at myself, and I look at others, not to judge them, I just can't help noticing human behavior as part of my job, quote-unquote, as a priest. I notice behavior in myself, I notice the behavior of the world, of world leaders, people on the news and media and so on. And I believe that one of the things that is truly, truly missing in our world today, something that has almost vanished is a sense of genuine humility. Now, I know to be humble is almost a cliche. It's almost one of those things you always hear in growing up maybe in Catholic grade school or you heard it from homilies or heard it from grandma or mom or dad or somebody. You have to be humble, be humble. Some of those things become cliches. But actually, we've really lost what I believe is a sense of true humility. And once again, I would call this a hole in the soul of modern Western civilization. Now, when you have a hole, something has to fill it, to heal it. So we need a round peg to go in the round hole that's in the soul of our civilization in this day and age. To me, it's an age of great arrogance, staggering arrogance, Unbelievable arrogance. I think the type of arrogance the world maybe has never seen. Something like the Tower of Babel, but maybe even worse, I think. So we've lost really what is such an essential virtue, and that is humility. Humility is huge. It's a huge virtue. Very comprehensive. Very, very effective. It's definitely, as they say today, a game changer. But once again, the round peg that I'd like to offer for the round hole comes from not exclusively Eastern Christian spirituality, but for our purposes on our radio program, like the East, which we feature especially the gifts of the Eastern churches, I think there is a particular emphasis or brand of humility that is inherent in the spirituality, prayer, of the Eastern churches. However, it too gets lost. In fact, speaking as an Eastern Catholic myself, and I speak to especially my fellow Eastern Catholics, whether they are laity or clergy, and I include myself in this, we can sometimes talk a good line about our Eastern spirituality, and we can dress up and look very Eastern and do a lot of Eastern things, and that's all good. It's all good with trying to do what is right, trying to look right, trying to say what is right, etc. and learn what is right. But I believe what is missing is a real honest-to-goodness living or practice of what is very much a part of Eastern Christian spirituality, and that is this virtue of humility. When I say humility, I'm talking about something that I really believe is almost foreign. I don't think we have a reference point for it anymore, because we live in such an age of arrogance, of narcissism, of me, you know, and our little gadgets, and I'm not condemning them. It's very ingenious, and they're very useful, you know, our cell phones and so on the iPhones and all the screens that we look at all day long of various kinds, I don't think those things are helping the matter. They're not bad in and of themselves. But every time we do something, create something, we only sometimes later on find out how it affects us, whether positive or negative. And I think that the, the video session that we have is affecting us in a way that is contributing towards this lack of humility because it sends us into the world of the I, you know, the me, capital I, and that's actually where the word idiot comes from. Idiot actually means, I know it may sound funny, but idiot actually, and I'm serious about this, idiot means, in the strict sense of the word, it's a Greek word, which means someone who lives in their own world. That's where we get words like idiosyncratic. In other words, it's something that's in and of itself, sort of in its own world. And isn't that exactly what we do with our little handheld screen gadgets? We go into our own world. And nothing and nobody else really matters. And that's starting to form us, starting to form our ethos, our spirituality. And I shudder to think how far this will go unless we catch it. But what's missing is real humility. One of the areas that the Eastern spirituality is very strong on humility is in the example of the Desert Fathers. Once again, we like to talk about asceticism in the Eastern churches, as we should, because it's one of the pillars of our spirituality. Monasticism started in the East, in the deserts of Egypt, in fact. But this this idea of the ascetical discipline and the desert fathers, the desert monks, is something we read about. And a lot of the sayings, a lot of the stories are very pithy and very clever, very thought-provoking. But I think there's a question, maybe a call. Maybe this program today really is a challenge or a call to all of us, especially those of us who are Eastern Catholic, to really not just talk or dress our faith, our spirituality, but to actually live it. And I think especially in this particular principle, when we think of or read about the lives of the desert fathers, the desert monks, and mothers too, like St. Mary of Egypt, but generally we, we say desert fathers. They were the first to go out there. The one thing that strikes me, if I could weave a thread through all of their lives and their writings and their significance, it would would indeed be this virtue of humility, a a real profound and pervasive humility. There are many stories. I know we like to read them, and they're catchy and clever, but they're real, and we need to incorporate them. Here's an example. A monk once asked Elder Macarius— now, Macarius was a very famous desert monk— a monk once asked Elder Macarius how to be saved. St. Macarius answered him, Go to the tombs and attack the dead with insults. The monk wondered at the advice. However, he went, as he was told, and cast stones at the tombs, insulting the dead. Then returning, he told what he had done. Macarius asked him, Did the dead notice what you did? He replied, They did not notice me. Go then again, said Elder Macarius, and this time praise them. The monk, wondering yet more, went and praised the dead calling them righteous men, apostles, saints. Returning, he told what he had done, saying, "'I have praised the dead, Elder Macarius. I have praised the dead.' Elder Macarius asked him, "'Did they reply to you?' The monk said, "'They did not reply to me.' Then said Elder Macarius, "'You know what insults you have heaped on them, and with what praises you have flattered them, and yet they never spoke to you. If you desire salvation, you must be like these dead.' You must think nothing of the wrongs men do to you, nor the praises they offer you. Be like the dead. Thus, you may be saved. Now, that kind of an example would to us today be odd or extreme, something you read about it, all oh, those desert fathers long time ago. But when we really look at their lives, remember, we have to remember one thing, and this is very, very important and something we need to say to ourselves often during the day these people, these monks were saints. Why did they become saints? What made them saints? What made them holy? I believe when you get down to it in one way or another, when all is said and done, it all ties together with the one single thread of this type of humility, like Macarius was trying to teach this monk. Another story about desert father, a monk was dragged out of his cell in the desert and brought into the town by a bunch of men. They dragged him through the town, humiliating him, throwing stones at him and accusing him and jeering at him. They accused him of getting a young lady in this town pregnant. In fact, she claimed that the monk did make her pregnant. Well, after the young lady saw what was happening to the monk, she felt bad enough and guilty enough to finally come forward and say, no, I lied. I lied. This is not true. The monk, the monk did not get me pregnant. So the men in the town asked the monk, well, if you were innocent, why didn't you speak up? You didn't say a word in your behalf. And the monk said to them, I know I was innocent, but I thought I could use your punishment as penance for my humility anyway. Now, again, we would find that to be bizarre, but in our day and age, that's precisely the point. We've lost the sense of humility, and in fact, we are to be that humble. Do you remember what happened to Christ when he was being unjustly accused and punished and scourged and slapped? He said nothing. Like the psalm says, like a lamb I was led to slaughter, like a sheep without blemish that opened not its mouth. That's in the psalm. That's what we pray. That's how we're supposed to be. But how are we? How are most people today? Number one, we do not believe or accept absolute truths. Many of us don't. We don't accept something just because authority said so. We don't accept something because the pastor or the bishop or the pope or the patriarch said so. We don't accept anything just because our parents said so or any kind of authority said so. And if somebody says something to us, correction or whatever, we flip back. You can't do that to me. And we seek vengeance. Teachers are afraid to discipline or punish. Classrooms are out of control, which is diminishing the quality of our education because of a lack of humility. It's as simple as that, a lack of humility. We defer to nothing and no one greater than ourselves because we are the greatest. And I find that to be a more and more pervasive ethos of our culture, of our world today. You see it in the young people, you see it even in the not-so-young people. It's point-counterpoint, tit-for-tat. But when you look at the lives of the saints and you hear the wisdom, especially of the Eastern Desert Fathers, you find something very, very different. They open not their mouth. They take it. They absorb it. And in fact, that is exactly what humility means. It comes from the word humus, and we'll talk about that word when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
0: Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian Spirituality, You're listening to Father
1: Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
0: You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, six zero four nine one, and may God grant you. Very happy years.
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Law. You're your host. Before I go on and talk about this word humility, which comes from the word humus, as in good soil, good rich soil, we always enjoy hearing from our listeners, and I want to thank a couple of you who have written to me with great kindness. I want to thank Gregory Ibn and also Christian Sweezy. So Gregory Ibn and Christian Sweezy, thank you very much for your kind letters to us here at Light of the East. I just want to remind you about, and speaking of being humble... It would be an act of humility, I believe, to be a part of a trip that I am the spiritual director for, a trip to Fatima. It's not just a trip. It's a retreat and a pilgrimage. It's a spiritual experience. Its aim is spirituality. In fact, its aim is to pray for peace. The apparitions at Fatima, which happened in 1917, and that should remind you of something, that was during World War one And part of what Our Lady said to the children was she warned about you know, getting our act together, otherwise there'll be another terrible war. And in fact, there was. Does that sound like something in the past or something very relevant? To me, it sounds like something very relevant. We have to pray for peace. There is no human solution to the tremendous threats to world peace in various ways, whether from nuclear war, from terrorism, or whatever. And this pilgrimage, this retreat is an effort to amplify our prayers for peace. We can pray for anything, but I'm dedicating this trip to praying for peace, doing something about it, about the threat to world peace that we're under right now, maybe in a very, very perilous way, more so than has been in recent times. This pilgrimage retreat is October 26th to November 2nd. Now, that's Thursday to Thursday, eight days. Now, it's going to focus especially on the Byzantine chapel. Shouldn't surprise you because I'm a Byzantine priest. But there is a beautiful Byzantine chapel there in Fatima. Fatima is a bit of a meeting point between East and West. We're going to visit the homes of the children to whom Mary appeared and visit Lisbon's major sites, including the Shrine of St. Anthony. Enjoy Obidos, a walled medieval town, and Nazari, a famous fishing village. We're also going to explore the historic Monastery of St. Maria da Victoria in Batalha. And Santarem, location of a Eucharistic miracle. Again, this trip is October 26th to November 2nd, Thursday to Thursday. To find out about it and to register, use this email, horizons at That's horizons at parma.org. In the subject line, put the name Laura. Horizons at parma.org. Again, October 26th to November 2nd of this year, pilgrimage trip for world peace. To Fatima, I will be the spiritual director, and happy to say, my new bishop from Slovakia, his name is Bishop Milan Locke. For our Ruthenian Eparchy of Parma is going to join us on this trip. So join us. Do something for world peace. Now back to our word humility, which comes from the word humus. Humus, if you know anything about gardening, is a very rich soil. And how is that soil made? That soil is made by being dumped on, by receiving garbage. The garbage decays, rots, and it's turned into very rich soil. And so that's why the word humility is very cleverly derived from humus. Because to be humble means, in fact, to take a lot of garbage. And that's something we don't like to do, right? I'm not going to take your nonsense, is a very common saying, a very popular saying. And if people don't say it, it's certainly our attitude. Just look at road rage. Look at anything. Anything and anywhere, any incident in where we tend to want to flip back, take vengeance, reflect back to how we're being treated if we're being maltreated. But let me tell you something that's gonna sound very odd. Humility, an example of the great desert monks, especially in the Eastern churches, their kind of humility was marked by in fact taking a lot of bad stuff and not responding in kind. Responding in a way such as Well, maybe I need this, or maybe I can take this to heart. Maybe I can improve from this. Maybe I can learn from this. They may not say it, but their silence said it, which is another aspect of the Desert Fathers, silence. We don't have nearly enough of that today, and that's related to our lack of humility because we like to hear ourselves talk. We think that our own opinions are so important that we always have to be heard. Everybody has to be heard. That's why the great purgatory of our time is meetings, 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 because we always want everyone to feel like they're being heard. Okay, it's generally an okay virtue, but it can also get in the way. It can also feed this appetite that we have for selfishness, for arrogance, for putting ourselves up too high. You know, St. Basil the Great said that, you know why we get angry and vengeful? Because we think too highly of ourselves, like no one can dare hurt me. Nothing can ever cross me, otherwise I'll get back at you. Why can't something or somebody cross us? Why not? They cross Jesus. I mean, that'd be right, but we can't adopt the attitude of, how dare you? You owe me an apology. You know, related to that, it's a telltale sign, too, is what I call the offended card. You know, like the race card, you pull out the I'm offended card. Whenever you hear something that you don't want to hear, a lot of times it's truth. You'll say, oh, I'm offended. And we expect that person to back off, to retract what they say and apologize to us and grovel to us because we are offended. Well, I got news for you, and I'll draw from the spirituality of the eastern desert monks. We are only offended if we choose to be. That's right. We're only offended if we choose to be. And these great saints, these humble men and women, they chose not to be offended. They chose to absorb insult. They chose to absorb jeering and being made fun of. And indeed they were, let's face it. Some of them were people like Daniel the Stylite, who sat on a pole for years and years and years. But remember, the people that jeered at him, can you name their names? No, but you can certainly name Daniel. And in fact, he's on the liturgical calendar. He's a saint of the calendar. And we pray to him and with him, and remember him forever. Why? Because he was humble. In the way that we pray in Eastern churches, there is something which I'll call the incessant litany, the incessant Lord have mercy, or in Slavonic, the famous pomiloi, or in the Greek, the Son, Lord have mercy. In fact, that's the mainstay of the prayer known as the Jesus prayer. Lord, have mercy. Repeat it over and over again. Lord, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Before we come to communion, we say it in the communion prayer. We say it many times in the liturgy, in the litany. Why do we do that? Again, the liturgy of the East teaches us humility, that our posture before our Lord has to be one of two things and two things only. Well, we can insert one more thing in between, but basically it has to be two things. It has to be begging for mercy in a state of absolute humility before the awesome, perfect, wonderful God, and a posture of thanksgiving for His mercy and for all of His goodness. Those are the only two honest, spiritual postures that we can have. Everything else is counterfeit. Now, we can slip in between there, intercession, asking God for help, but only while we are repentant and grateful. Everything else, everything else is just a lie. Those are the only two honest postures we can have. And that is really what humility is about, a virtue that seems to have almost vanished in our culture. But as always, we turn to the liturgy, the prayer of the church, in our case in particular, the riches of the Eastern churches, where we will find profound and very relevant examples of humility. I want to thank you for being humble enough to spend some time with me listening. Let's pray for each other for the virtue of humility. To hear Light of
0: the East east again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. catholic radio because we need the voice of the church in the public forum we live in a time that the secular voice dominates so thoroughly that we need to get that catholic perspective out just as fulton sheen used radio and tv in the last century we need to continue to use this means to announce the catholic faith in the public
1: forum bishop robert Barron thinks catholic radio is important so should you thank you for listening